You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Bear down, baby. That's it. Bears fans, this is Take the North. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. With your hosts, David Hahn. I want to remind people, there is no award for coming to the conclusion fastest on a quarterback in your football city. Nobody remembers, and frankly, nobody cares. And Dan Weeder. Particularly in this town, we start to get the extremes trying to outshout each other, right? Those who think that he's a bust are trying to outshout those who think that he's going to be an absolute seven-time All-Pro. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast, episode 15. Dan Weeder and David Haw here talking all things Bears on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Right before Sunday's Giants-Bears game out in New Jersey, on the road for the Bears, two and one teams facing each other. On Sunday morning, both teams will go to the stadium and knowing that one of those teams will finish three and one, Dan, and I don't think either of their fan bases expected those teams to be in that position, but this is a very, very interesting match just because it's mirror images of two franchises. Yeah, no question. Only four franchises last January did the complete reboot, right, where they rehired the general manager and the head coach at once. The Giants were one, the Bears were one, and so here they are meeting on the stage at MetLife Stadium on Sunday afternoon. To your point, by Sunday night, when the Football Night in America crew is kind of run, rounding up the day, they will be talking about one of these teams as the surprise story of the season's first month because at 3-1, and one, you are a surprise story uh, given where these teams were at just eight months ago. Uh, we'll see how they respond. It's an intriguing game, again, because uh, you know it's another uh, fairly even matchup, teams with similar flaws, similar strengths, and then all of a sudden you just see who can make the big play late to, uh, to swing it in their favor. We'll get into Odal because I think that neither – fan base believes that they'll wake up Monday morning and looking at their team differently as a, as a potential playoff contender. I think that might be a bit of a stretch. Both teams are trying to find out what they have at quarterback. Both teams are trying to find out who their head coach really is. And both teams are trying to find out about their new general manager. So that's what the exciting part is. We'll get into some of those details before we do, Dan, you're at Hallis hall. The injury report came out for the second day in a row. David Montgomery, Jalen Johnson, those are the biggest names on it for the Bears, did not practice. And I don't know if either really realistically can be expected to play. What do you think? Yeah, I 100% would not expect David Montgomery in the lineup on Sunday afternoon. I have a feeling this is uh, something of a, a high ankle sprain type of injury. Uh, I don't expect to, to see him uh, on that field at all uh, this week, potentially not next week either. Jalen Johnson hasn't been able to practice this week, and so I think this might be two two games missed uh, You know, for, for, for the cornerback who is showing a good start. Uh, a couple of notable names on the injury report. Cairo Santos missed Thursday's practice due to personal reasons. Robert Quinn was out with an illness, so couple guys to keep an eye on as we get closer to kickoff. Uh, Valus Jones back in practice, but still limited, trying to figure out whether he is going to make his debut as an NFL receiver and whether the Bears offense can utilize him. Obviously, knowing, David, that they need uh, some some depth and some help in that receiving core with everything they've been through. Small thing, were you surprised they let him talk about his injury and what he's been through before he actually has gotten onto the field? Was that a little premature, or is that a tell that they do expect him to play? Yeah, I think all, all signs are, are pointing towards him at least giving it a go on Sunday. And now I think the question that I'm most curious about is how much can he handle I think that's physically and that's mentally, right? They want him to do a lot of different things for them. They want him to be a, a special teams bottle rocket for them. They want him to be a guy that can come in and and, and handle some uh, jet sweep action for them and then do some other things in, in the, the passing game and the running game for them that, that makes them an explosive football team. And so there's a lot that you want to do with Bayless Jones. You have to figure out how much you can do initially, given how much time he's missed. David, he only played a handful of snaps in the preseason game in Seattle. He missed the other two preseason games. He's missed the first two regular season games, hasn't 
hasn't practiced in full in a long, long time. And so now you've just got to be real measured with, with how you utilize them. All right. There are a lot of similarities between these two teams and franchises and what they went through in the off season. Let's get into all of that with our opening drive. It's time for the opening, the, the opening drive. All right, Dan, Matt Eberflus, Brian Dable, both guys <laughs> interviewed for the Bears head coaching job, two of 11 men that interviewed for the position last offseason. Your story coming out in ChicagoTribune.com kind of revisits that entire process, looks at Dable a little deeper, what he has done to make a quick impact with the Giants, similar to but different in the way that Eberflus has made his impact on the Bears I guess let's just start there because we want to get into also Joe Shane versus Ryan Poles because those two guys were up for the same position at Hallis Hall as they were candidates in New York. Um, in terms of Dable versus Eberflus, what similarities do you see on the service and what differences? Well, I would say the similarities that you see initially after three games uh, of both gentlemen in their new roles is that there is an obvious buy-in from their teams right now, right? And there's a belief in what they're preaching and that their vision has resonated with the players that they're leading. You know as well as I do that that's very common for a new coach and a new coaching staff to be able to get that initially. And the, the big key is sustaining it in a way that, that achieves meaningful results. We know that Matt Nagy was the coach of the year in 2018. We know that Mark Tressman was 3-0 and in his first three games. We know how those tenures ended up here in Lake Forest. And so you don't want to jump to any conclusions early, but in these two guys, you do see results. They've won football games that have been surprising, right? In week one for the Giants, it's Dable going for two with a minute six left with a chance to play for overtime in Nashville against the Titans and saying, screw it, we're going to go for two here. Putting the ball in his best player's hands in Saquon Barkley and getting a 21 to 20 win, that galvanized that locker room and, and made them believe that they were headed some places. Just as Matt Eberflus in his first game coached the Bears through a monsoon and and, and you know, showed them the way to use their grit and their stamina to get a win. So I think those are those are the similarities right out of the gates, that there is some energy that these guys have gotten in their programs. You know it's 2022 when a coach in a major market like Dayball with the Giants in the New York market has an opportunity to take a game against a team that really had no business beating into overtime, goes for two and is applauded for it because did it did he get – you know, positive praise for because it worked or because it showed some guts. I I don't know how I would have felt, Dan. My my inclination is I probably would have said, take the game into overtime and, and see see where it goes. But I, I do wonder when we talk about a buy-in in New York, it's not just the locker room that you have to worry about. It's the intense pressure from the outside. And those external forces can can crush a new coach who isn't a strong had to have a strong personality. Brian Dable, I give him a ton of credit for taking that chance early. It is a game of inches. We saw that with, you know, the Bears in Green Bay and how close they came to making that a one-score game. But even more so, I think that the, the situation you described and then wrote about in the Tribune with the Giants and going for two, they convert that. And I think that went a long way toward that buy-in that every new coach needs. Well, here's why it was a big deal to me, David. It's because Dable spent months talking to his players about the need for them to win football games, right? Like, give me your belief, give me your focus, give me your investment, and I will trust you when the biggest games have the biggest moments and everything's on the line. And so when you talk about that for four months, when you talk about it the night before your season opener, you have no choice but to get into that situation like they got in in Tennessee and say, okay, this is what I've been preaching for months. Now go make me look like a genius, right? And, and again, what was interesting about that is Mike Kafka, the offensive coordinator with Chicago Ties, obviously, said, Ends in a play that didn't really work all that well. It's a shovel pass to Saquon Barkley that was essentially blown up in the backfield. And Saquon being Saquon made a couple guys miss and then plowed through three others at the goal line. And all of a sudden you say, okay, does it matter if the play didn't work? Because the belief and the mindset and the aggression and the determination were there. And they were instilled long before that snap was taken. It's amazing how much more bold a play caller can be when you have Saquon Barkley there to bail you out. And he's special again. He looks like the guy before the injury a couple of years ago at Soldier Field. Bears fans will remember that. He's come a long way to get back to this place where he is now, and he's dangerous. Okay, I have to ask you this, because let's revisit this whole yeah. Dable Bears thing. He was the name that a lot of Bears fans wanted, and they wanted him because of the presence of Justin Fields. Yep. Do you think that – and I, he didn't talk about the experience of interviewing with the Bears like it was something that even resonated with him that he didn't really remember it well. Do you think that he stayed away from 
the Bears job at all or didn't go after it w- with everything that he had because of Justin Fields and reservations he had? Or is that reading too much into it? Yeah, I think that's reading too much into it. Okay. Dable was asked at his Wednesday press conference just kind of what he remembered about, one, the Zoom interview that he had with the Bears five uh, person search committee in January and, and to why he was even in the mix for the job, right? To, to put your name in the hunt, you, you, you see something in a franchise that, that, makes you say, hey, I'd be interested in interviewing and, and possibly getting your job. And, and and Dable was very vague with his recollection of that. But this is interesting for a lot of reasons, David. Number one, as you mentioned, he was the most popular name amongst Bears fans in January, in big part for what he had done with Josh Allen in Buffalo. Over four years, he turned Josh Allen into a guy that that people thought was you know overdrafted and wasn't going to make it into a guy who's now a, a annual MVP candidate for a team that's fighting for a Super Bowl. And, and Dable's fingerprints are on that. And so when you're in January and the Bears are rebooting and fans are saying, well, what can we do to jumpstart Justin Fields' career? It made sense to look at Dable. And then more notably, the day before he gets on the Zoom call with the Bears Brain Trust, or, or yeah, the day before, right? He, he goes into a playoff game against Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots, and he scores touchdowns on his first seven possessions, or his players did anyway, but his offense did. And so you say, boy, this is a well-timed hot streak for a guy who's certain to get a job in this hiring cycle. The thought process was Dable was a hot name in Miami. The thought process was the Bears should really aggressively pursue him. The thought process was the Giants would be interested and ultimately hired him because Joe Shane, who he was very familiar with from Buffalo, uh, ended up getting their GM job. But boy, for us, David, I think the key point here is that we you go back to 2017 and you knew that the minute the Bears drafted Mitch Trubisky, it was always going to be compared against the guys that they passed on, namely Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. Through a similar lens, the Bears hiring decisions in January to hire Poles, to hire Eberflus, are going to be compared against the guys that they could have had. Listen, there were 10 new coaches hired in the hiring cycle in January, five others Right. Who, who uh, the Bears? Well, I'm sorry, the Bears interviewed 11 and, and, and then there were five others that got jobs elsewhere. So there's a lot of names for us to keep our, our peripheral vision on as the years pass. But Dable is certainly at the forefront of that conversation. I think at the forefront because of what you said about coaching Josh Allen and Josh Allen's name is the one you hear this week being offered as a point of comparison to not lose hope or faith in Justin Fields, the comparison with their first 14 games and having a four and seven record as a starter and Dable fixed whatever was broken about Josh Allen or certainly receives credit for that. And, And I think that more than some of the other guys who took jobs, the five first time head coaches, Dable was a guy that might be a, a, a more obvious point of comparison just because of the importance of the quarterback position. I'll say this about what I've noticed, again, from afar, seeing the way that he's handled his own quarterback situation with Daniel Jones. They need an answer in New York every bit as badly as the Bears in Chicago need one about Justin Fields, probably more so because of the contractual realities they face at the end of the season for Daniel Jones. Yeah, And I don't know if Brian Dable, and maybe this is part of his strength too, and people like about him, I don't think that he has taken the conservative approach with Daniel Jones necessarily the way the Bears and Luke Getze and and Matt Eberflus have taken with Justin Fields. Well, I think they're two quarterbacks in two different stages of their development and two different sort of futures being seen by the, the the men that oversee them. I think in New York, there's sort of this buzz that that Dable and Shane are going to give it a swing with Daniel Jones. I think the Giants organization and, and the Mara family would be thrilled if they could make that quarterback work and become their long-term answer. But I think if it doesn't, that regime is certainly going to go out in the spring of 2023 and try to find their hand selected guy that they can then try to turn into their Josh Allen. Right. And so that's, that's something to keep an eye on here in Chicago. I think that the bears have sort of, uh, you know, they're, they're further behind in that timeline and, and willing to be patient with Justin and try to get this thing unlocked. We're three games in, we all know, how unimpressive the first three games of the season have been in terms of how Justin has played and how the passing attack has gone. And so that's just another part of the storyline that makes you kind of revisit January and say, well, okay, did they put enough thought into what exactly was needed to get this young quarterback unlocked? It's a question we're going to have to ask this weekend. It's a question we're going to have to ask in January. It's going to ha- a question we're going to have to ask until there's a an answer to where Justin's career is headed, right? And so, and so some of that is 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 
really baked into this entire matchup on Sunday. I'm going to get back to that in our segment on QB1 later in the pod because I have some thoughts about that that kind of triggered me when you mentioned it. Okay. okay. Let's stick with the comparison, though. Here we are with Dable, who hires a CEO for his defense, basically. Wink Martindale comes over from the Ravens. Well-respected defensive coordinator. Going to give Justin Fields, frankly, some fits, I think, on Sunday, trying to figure things out and trying to confuse him. Much the way that Matt Eberflus got a less experienced guy in Luke Getzey, but Luke Getzey is the, is the assistant head coach slash offense, or however you want to call him. He's in charge of the offense, and Matt Eberflus is overseeing the whole thing. Do you see similarities in the way that they have structured their staff? Well, look, I think you're trying to find guys that you believe in to run the other side of the ball of which you are not a master in, right? And they, they, they both seem to have hit on guys that they're very comfortable with, very confident, and who they believe can can oversee that side of the ball without a whole lot of uh, extra attention needed, right? And so that's a, an advantage you have when you're a first-time coach to be able to, to do that. It's also interesting, David, that both men chose not to call plays, right, in their expertise. Right. Brian right. Dable gives the, the play-calling duties to Mike Kafka. Iberflus obviously hands those over to, to Alan Williams for the Bears defense. And so that's a, a decision, right? That's a decision made to to free yourself up to have a, a greater big picture lens on what you're trying to build. And I think it's a smart call by both men to do that. And they both obviously uh, have, have shown that they've gotten some really early results and, and they'll have to show a lot more results as we go on. I think it was smart too. I think it was probably harder for Dable to do that only because it seems like it's harder for defensive guy or offensive guys to let go of that uh, the, the the play calling duties and that they feel more connected than it is maybe for defensive guys who are more, uh, I mean, that's a generalization, but I think it probably was harder on Dable in this case because that's his toy, you know, everybody. And he's also got Saquon Barkley that he's yeah. inheriting. So as much as it is about the quarterback, you still have the running back. All right, let's look at the front office. Let's look at um, the comparison between Joe Shane Midwestern guy yeah, from Elkhart, Indiana. I'm familiar with the family and his high school football career. And he went to DePaul University, was a, a wide receiver there, you know, small college, you know, star. And he comes into the NFL, pays his dues, kind of a young hotshot executive. And he fits in well so far in New York, how close did he come to getting the job at House Hall? It sure doesn't seem like very close, right? There wasn't a right. lot of uh, second second interest shown. He, you know, he won a 14 GM candidates. And David, when you talk to people around the league, one of the things that has puzzled them uh, since the Bears process was going on, and it, you know, it's revisited when you, you you know you reach out about stories like this, is that the Bears did this very calculated approach to casting a wide net, right? They, 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 they do 25 Zoom interviews over a 13-day span, 14 GM candidates, 11 head coaching candidates. But then when they hired the general manager, they got really quickly from the point of hiring the general manager to hiring a head coach. You know, Basically, Ryan Poles conducted uh, three interviews, Dan called uh, Dan Quinn, Jim Caldwell, and Matt Eberflus over two days and settled on Eberflus. And there's some 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 confusion as to why that net wasn't cast a little wire once you had a new GM. And it, it's relevant in the Dable conversation because, as you know, Ryan Poles was in Arrowhead Stadium in January when the Chiefs and Bills played that unforgettable, almost iconic playoff game that ended with uh, the Chiefs winning the coin flip and going right down the field after uh, Josh Allen had led two go-ahead drives in the final two minutes of, of regulation. And, and so you have this moment where, where you say, if you're Ryan Poles, how much did you consider Brian Dable as a guy you might want to unite with, right? Like you watched his offense up close, put on that show in front of you and even at the very least wouldn't you be interested to talk to him just for the the, the very sake of picking his brain and stealing maybe seven <laughs> eight nine ten nuggets on how did you get josh allen from point a to point z i can't imagine anything that happened during a job interview that would be more impactful impressive <laughs> than that display of offensive football over two weeks in the playoffs right yeah. okay here it is there's my tape talk to me call me if you want me and so I think that's a really good point in memory. I just wonder if it was always going to be Shane and Dable, the package deal. And I wonder if that was going to be something that kind of kept the Bears from from or polls from maybe going that direction. Also, let's let's remember this. We will never know the extent to which Trace Armstrong played a, a, a role in the matchmaking of this Eberflus polls marriage. Now, obviously, Trace, the agent for both guys. We also remember during the, the 
introductory press conference when I asked the question about the, the link that the agent provided between yeah. both men. They were uncomfortable. So that might have also played a role behind the scenes that we'll never know. Well, it's the same in New York because the Joe Shane and, and Brian Dable share an agent as well. And so that's part of the, the business of the NFL that most fans probably aren't aware of and some of the arranged marriages and things that go on in that regard that, that make you, you know, just stop and say, is this the best way to do things? Uh, look, both these organizations have, have, uh, a steep mountain to climb, right? To get themselves out of <laughs> this decades long trap that they've been in. Listen, the Giants past three head coaches, David, haven't made it to a third season, right? Like, so Brian Dable's seat is already hot, even at two and one, because they just haven't had results recently to keep guys around for very long. We know the coaching turnover that's happened inside this building at Hallis Hall. And so even uh, if one of these two coaches gets off to a three or one start, maybe four and one, maybe, hey, five and one, five and two, who knows where they're at. All of a sudden you start thinking big things and you say, boy, it's a long road, right? Like this is a long haul and we're going to have to keep our eyes on both situations for a long time. See what happens with Brian Dable. See what happens with Matt Eberflus. See what happens with Daniel Jones. See what happens with Justin Fields. There's a lot to keep track of here in the years to come, but certainly when you go through a process like the Bears went through in January, uh, it's inevitable that the comparison game is going to going to last and that it's going to be something that, that people cling to uh, both with revisionist history and with some, you know, history that was very real in the moment. And as I mentioned at the start, I, I, you go through that list of 11 coaching candidates that they talked to over Zoom in January. There's no question that Brian Dable excited the masses in Chicago more than any of the other 10. And history that goes back even further, Dan, for all the traditionalists out there. We know there are some in our audience that remember, you know, the fact that the Bears and the Giants, both family-owned businesses, the Maras and the McCaskies, these are part of mm -hmm. the iconic NFL uh, structure for a very long time. And the league is, is you know, is built with, with uh, a lot of this kind of tradition that you see with, with both these franchises. So there's the past, there's the future, and right now the present Sunday, both teams with coaches that are new, quarterbacks with something to prove, and general managers on their first go-around. So one thing I wanted to add before we finish up this, up this, this discussion is in my reporting for the story I did, this is a, a notable thing that a, a, a league source said to me, and it's an interesting exercise for you to do, for our audience to do, to just think about this. He said, just take like five seconds to think about the teams in the NFL that you consider to be great teams, teams that have sustained excellence for at least three, four, five years, right? And now, he said, go through the, 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 the checklist of the five principles. He said, these are the five principles that you need to have just to have a chance to have a chance, right? So you think about the great teams and then think about the Giants and the Bears and how these apply. He said, number one, you need great ownership. Number two, you need great administration. Number three, you need great players. Number four, you need a great coach. Number five, you need luck. And those are just the things, the prerequisites to have a chance to have a chance. And when you go through that list and you think about the situation here at House Hall and where it's been for the last 20 years, 10 years, five years, whatever it may be, you say, oh, boy, they haven't checked off the prerequisite boxes to even have a chance to have a chance. And you know what the most important one of those five might be and the one that we never talk about because it really it sounds like an apology is luck. There's yeah, got oh, sure. to be luck in any development of any champion in any season in any tenure, you have to have some degree of luck and that has to play a big role in what happens next. Yeah. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. All right, let's get to our numbers game. All right, what's going to happen on Sunday? How do you break it down with some of the numbers if that will be part of your package on ChicagoTribune.com? All right, I'm going to give you the first number. I'm sure you know what it is, 297. Can you tell me what that is? 
297. Is that the predicted number of yards that Saquon Barkley will have Sunday against the Bears defense? <laughs> Incorrect. It is the passing yard passing, total yeah. after three games from Justin Fields. It's most notable to me, David, because it is 717 yards behind the man we talked about a lot in the first segment, Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills, who's the league leader in the NFL. Uh, Fields ranks 32nd right now in passing yards. He is 68 yards behind the 31st ranked passer who's Jimmy Garoppolo, the 49ers, who wasn't even starting when the season began. And so this is a, uh, a another indicator, another note for us to uh, cling to as we talk about the, the, the passing game needing to get unlocked. I also want to bring up this other number that is just absolutely staggering to me. The Bears have had 32 possessions this season through three games. They have completed multiple passes on four of their 32 possessions. Whoa. That gives me back to the point I wanted to make in the first segment, but waited. So... A lot of that is blamed or will be attributed to the fact, well, you know, they didn't surround Justin Fields with receivers and this receiving core is just pedestrian. And and I think some of that criticism or some of that opinion might be valid as the season plays out. You don't have a lot of, you, know, you don't have Pringle you thought you would have. You don't have Bayless Jones and certainly you don't have any Keel Harry, whatever the case. But I also think it overlooks the fact that we put so much on the weapons that are supposed to, you know, help Justin Fields develop. We overlook this idea that you have to have a quarterback doing the minimums that helps the receivers yeah. reach a point that where they can be productive, where they can be value valuable to your passing game. And I, I just don't think that he's doing enough minimally to get to that point to even have that conversation. Yeah, and, and listen, like you can't get in a rhythm if you're not in a position to be able to complete multiple passes on a drive a couple times per game, right? Four times in three weeks is not enough to get a passing offense unlocked. There's a lot of reasons for it. We've detailed a lot of them here on this podcast over the last few weeks, and they've got to figure out a way to get that unlocked because you're not going to steal a road win in New York without some semblance of a passing attack at some point in that football game on Sunday. What other number do you have before I ask you a question for a number that you probably won't be able to come up with? All right, I got two more numbers for you. Zero. Zero is the number of touchdowns allowed after halftime by the Bears so far this season. It's also the number of touchdowns scored before halftime by the Giants offense over the first three games. So you have an offense in New York that starts really slow. You have a defense in Chicago that finishes really fast. It's notable. I think you just predicted a shutout, if I heard you correctly. <laughs> uh, the three Giants to nothing Bears. Start slow and end slower. Yeah, three nothing. I think the I think the second half number is very interesting. I've talked about it all week on the radio. I know you've written about it as well. I just think that as much as anything, and maybe we're reading too much into it, but that represents, if I'm a coach on that defensive staff, that represents everything that I need to provide as evidence, uh, like why this, why we're making progress, the buy-in. When Brian Baldinger told us on Thursday morning on, on the Mullion Haas show that you got to feel good about the way this team is being coached, it's stuff like that that matters, being mentally and physically uh -huh. strong enough to have the stamina, to provide the endurance, to stop people in the second half. And now you have the numbers so far, small sample size, three games, through three games, to support that. Yeah. So the fun part of my job here is I can dig up a number like that and then I can ask around about it inside the building, right? I asked Matt Eberflus on Wednesday what he made of that. I asked uh, defensive line coach Travis Smith on Thursday, Eddie Jackson in the locker room on Thursday, what they made of that. And their answers were all very similar. And they summarize what you said just there, that there's a mindset here that is really, really stable right now with that defense, that they understand that they've conditioned all spring, summer, and through training camp to ready themselves for the end of games to be strong-minded and resolute and, and able to, to just dig in, right, and, and be a tough football team, right? It's a cliche, but when you can get the results that back up the work that you're putting in, it's not an accident, right? Look, it's a three-game sample size. If this, if this number stays somewhere around this ballpark into November, into Thanksgiving week, into December, now we've got a trend that is really worth noting, but at the very least, at the outset here, this is a show of this team's toughness and their their belief that they can win games based on mental fortitude and the ability to stay focused late. What's the other number? All right, the final number. This is a selfish one. All right, and then this is up, up there four 
And that's the number of road games the Bears play in October. This is the first calendar month since 1981 that the Bears have had four road trips in the same calendar month. They will follow up Sunday's game in New Jersey with a trip to Minneapolis to face the Vikings in week five, travel to Foxborough to face the Patriots on Monday night in week seven, close the month in Dallas against the Cowboys. There's one game in the middle, a sandwich Thursday nighter at Soldier Field against the uh, Washington Commanders. So we're going to go the entire month of October, David, without a noon Sunday game, at, without a Sunday game at all at Soldier Field and four games on the road. That's a very interesting number. And in many years, that would be daunting. But I'm just going to introduce this. When you talk about going to Minneapolis, all right, it's the Vikings. That could be tough in that building. It's a great building. And They're coming back from London, though. They're going to be jet lagged. Exactly. That's where you get an advantage there, perhaps. Giants are in a short week. Giants are in a short week, and they have Daniel Jones, who's going to maybe turn the football over. You go, you have the commanders at home uh, in Soldier Field. You go to Foxborough. Brian Hoyer, who hasn't <laughs> won a start in six years, could be the starting quarterback. And some people might be deluded into thinking he's a better fit for that offense. And Mac Jones, good, because the Bears, that would be playing into their hands. That's, that's another guy. And how about Cooper Rush? If he's the guy starting for the Cowboys instead of Dak Prescott, who may not be healthy. Now, I'm not going to underestimate the Cowboys. That's a long time away. But when you say those five games – and that that road uh, challenge, it doesn't sound as daunting as it might in some years. No question about it. When you leave Green Bay and you leave Aaron Rodgers in your rearview mirror and then you look at that list of, of quarterbacks that you have to face, obviously, with last week being Davis Mills. And you say, boy, this this feels generous, right? Like in, in this league, this feels generous to have a stretch right. like this where you have a chance to do that. And again, three straight games against opponents that will be on short weeks. Obviously, the Bears will also be on a short week in that Thursday nighter against the Commanders. But this is uh, it's going to be it's going to be interesting stretch here. And, and, and if you're able to what, like even if you win two of the five games in October, you're four and four, right? And and all of a sudden you feel relevant. And there's that luck we were talking about and every team needs. And maybe the schedule has provided a share of that. Okay, before we get to our QB1 segment, I want to ask you which number will be higher on Sunday? Saquon Barkley's rushing yards or Justin Fields' passing yards? That should not be as hard of a question as it is right now. I'm staring into the wall right now. Try, like, like, which way do I, which way do I lean on this? I'm going to go with fields because in my prediction, okay. I said, this is going to be the game where, where Justin gets to double digits and completions, right? Whoa, what a novel concept week four. We're into double digits and completions. I think he's going to make a few game changing contributions. Uh, you want my score? Is it time for my score? It's time it's for time predictions. Let's bring in Adam Stadzinski, our ACE producer. We're going to, he can go first. Okay, let's go with Studs first because I think I know which direction he's leaning, but I can never be sure. Studs, what do you think? So I, uh, what me and you, I, I read your. If you're going with your same prediction you had on the website for the score, I, me and you are pretty aligned on this, David. We actually like. I think we're looking at this game pretty much the same. These two teams are like mirror Im- images of each other. You guys have been talking about it all through the whole thing so far. Neither can defend the run. Neither has a, a quarterback that's really found his footing. Both teams are really good in the ground game. Both teams have new coaches trying to instill a culture. I think the difference maker, and I'm going to take the Bears in this one, because I think the difference maker is going to be what we've seen from the Bears two, in their two wins, which is the defense is going to force a turnover in the fourth quarter that's going to change the game. We saw it against the 49ers, the Eddie Jackson interception that pretty – that put the Bears in position to really put the game away. And then, of course, Roquan Smith's interception last week. So I'm going to take the Bears. I said 26 to 21. I don't know if the Bears can actually get to 26 points. But, <laughs> but if if Justin Fields finds his footing, which Dan was saying he thinks he's going to find a little bit, I think he will too. It can't get much worse. So I, I that's, that's, that's kind of my feeling on this one. But it, it really wouldn't shock me if the Giants – run all over the bears and manage to win the game. Studs, there's been an allergy to 25 points in this building for like 10 years here. And if they ever hit 25 points, they've got to take a bunch of prescription drugs just to bring them back to reality <laughs> there. And so I don't know if they can get there either, but I like your optimism. All right, Dan, yeah. what's yours? So I went with Bears 23, Giants 19. I think that there's a level of, of mental fortitude here that we've talked about that is beneficial in a game like this on the road. Uh, I think they're going to be able to establish the run, and I think they understand that if they can slow down Saquon Barkley, 
Barkley. They have a chance to turn loose a pass rush that can go up against a vulnerable uh, offensive line in the New York Giants and make life really difficult on Daniel Jones. And so I think that the focus and the ability to to get Saquon Barkley within their control will unlock the doors to them doing some other things. And all of a sudden, they walk out of there at three and one surprise team of the NFL after the first four games of the season. I think Saquon Barkley is going to have a big day. He's going to be the best player on the field. But I think the Bears running game is the best unit on the field. And there's a subtle difference there. I think Saquon Barkley will give you explosiveness. But the Bears offensive line can control the game and control the clock keep him off the field for only those short bursts and hopefully they can contain him a little bit. I also think the biggest mismatch is going to be Robert Quinn and or Bears pass rusher, you know, who's next in line against Evan Neal, the right tackle who was exposed on Monday night football. The short week's going to bother a rookie. He could be good eventually, but as he waits to progress, the Bears can pick on him like every team will. So I think they're going to get to Daniel Jones, who has been known to give you the football. He likes to run. He's dangerous with his feet, but he also is dangerous to his own team because he will fumble it. And I think ultimately the Bears will get that takeaway in the second half. Bears 27, Giants 23. Santos, I hope he gets back to practice. They're going to need him in New York or New Jersey on Sunday. Offensive explosion by you guys. I love it. All right. So we all picked the Bears, which means that they all will probably come home 500. Uh, oh, no. Yeah, it'd be yeah, two and two on Monday morning. But I think it's going to be a close game because neither team is, is I think, equipped to blow out anybody. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. So it's another one that we will be glued to our seats till the final gun. All right, let's get to our look at QB1. All right, Dan, so you were uh, – you saw what Justin Fields had to say this week. Don't want to make too much of what he does on the podium. I don't want this to become a weekly – uh, study of, of body language, and then we are back in the Jay Cutler era. But I do think his, his demeanor, especially coming off a week ago when he promised to show more personality, charisma, and be himself, this was maybe as much of a step backward at the podium as we saw on the field on Sunday. Look, I'm with you. I don't care a ton about Justin's press conference demeanor or performance, but it, I don't not care at all, right? I think you have to care a little bit because this is, a, again, as we've talked about previously and as we talked about last week, he's a face and voice of this team, right? And you have to project a certain level of confidence, a certain level of ownership, a certain level of we got this. And Justin was obviously agitated in the short session he did with the media on Wednesday. He seemed to own his his poor performance better Sunday night after the game than he did three days later. And that was a little bit confusing, I guess, perplexing a little bit. I think that there's just a, 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 a frustration that Justin has right now. And it's understandable because you'd like to come in to one of these press conferences and have about five or six questions be about the highlight reel plays you made, right? Like take us through the third touchdown pass you threw in the first half, right? Like that's right. a question that J Justin's waiting for. Can you please take us through your, your, you know, 22nd completion of the game, right? Like you would like there to be some of this. It's just been, um, I don't want to say an onslaught, but whatever one word lower than onslaught is, it's just been a, a barrage of questions that are, are, heavily focused on the struggles because the strokes are uh, the, the struggles are the the heavy focus right now and justifiably so and Justin's just got to figure out a way during his time and his maturation process to handle sessions like that a little better because I don't think it's a good look when you're slumped and you just don't project that sense of like okay we're we're going to get this turned around today at practice and then obviously for the game on Sunday this is just a glimpse of what he sounded like Wednesday so what, what you're going through right now, do you consider this just part of the overall process or is this kind of throwing you for a loop, maybe not met expectations and maybe something you, that becomes a psychological thing? Part of the uh, process, you know, that's all it is. It got worse from there. I mean, that's just indicative. <laughs> he, he didn't feel like talking and he wasn't in the mood for it. And maybe he just came out of a film session where he was, you know, pointed out all that he did wrong. There are a couple of things I think are worth remembering. Number one, He's 23 years old. Yeah. And, and I don't want that to sound as a, like an excuse, but he's 23 years old and he's learning what it's what it takes not only to make plays and read defenses and throw the ball to his receivers in time on time. He's learning what it's like to be a professional, period, professional athlete, professional anything. Anybody that has a 23 year old in their family or somebody in that range, anybody who can remember when they were that age understands the challenge that it can be when you get the kind of scrutiny. And he was having a bad day, clearly. But I do think it's important for reasons you pointed out. Also, Dan, I think that 
you you have uh, your teammates while they know you better than we do, while they understand the the challenge and the and the rigors better than we will. They also are looking for cues, and that's a bad one. That's not leadership. That's not good leadership. I think that's what you want to remember too. This is somebody being asked to do a lot. There's a ton of responsibility that comes with being a franchise quarterback, and this is all part of the job. You need a support structure around you as well to help you with those things, to help you kind of just get get out of your rut before you get on camera and in front of a microphone. Are you a Pulp Fiction guy? Not a big Pulp Fiction guy, but I do. I did see the movie. There's just, there's just a quote. That, every, there, there's a quote that came to mind. It's the Harvey, Harvey Keitel character, the wolf, when he comes to help uh, you know, Jules and Vincent clean up the car. And he says, if I'm Kurt with you, it's because time is a factor. And that sort of resonated with me, not in the same way, but it, it, with the way Justin was Kurt on Wednesday, it's because he realizes time is a factor. The clock is ticking. People realize that we can't get deeper into October and still be talking about these struggles offensively. And I just think there's there's a lot to this you know Justin brought up uh once again on Wednesday his relationship and his interactions with the mental skills coach that that Ryan Poles hired in here and that's an indicator that there are things within his head and 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 some things that he's dealing with in terms of the pressure and the struggle that he's got to get unlocked and that's notable it's I mean it's it's natural but it's also notable that the the starting quarterback of the Chicago Bears is in a bit of a, a mental funk at times and needs help getting out of that that's notable the other thing that's notable to me David is he brought up the idea of trying to get Darnell Mooney unlocked, right? And, and and trying to make sure that he doesn't force things in getting Darnell Mooney unlocked. And when some of these conversations start to, to come into your head, right? And those wheels are turning in that regard. Now, all of a sudden, you've got to figure out ways to, to make sure that your micro focus gets more micro focus than it is because you're thinking about too many things. And so that was also notable, notable to me from the exchange. Yeah, I think it was obvious that he's struggling with a lot of things. And, and I think the best way to handle that is to put yourself in a good mood when he makes plays. That will be what we're judging. That will be what we're focusing on because if he was coming off of 25 or 31 performance with three touchdowns and a pass rating in the 120s, this would be something we would quickly try to ignore or look past. So I have a question for you because I think it's notable as we get into this month of October. Do the Bears have a responsibility as a coaching staff to manufacture some feel good? For Justin. And I ask that because we're coming up on the, uh, you know, the anniversary, I guess it would be a four year anniversary of Mitch Trubisky throwing his six touchdown game against the Buccaneers. And some of that was calculated by Matt Nagy and his staff, understanding they were playing a feeble defense, first of all, in the Buccaneers, but also understanding that, hey, if we could have Mitch walk out of this stadium tonight, feeling on top of the world, how much of a difference will this make going into the next stretch of, uh, of football games? And so I'm curious if the Bears have a bit of a responsibility, say it's first and goal at the five and you know you can pound it in with Khalil Herbert and score to get in the end zone but you also know that it might be a big psychological boost to Justin to put a touchdown pass on his resume do you have to consider that on first down yes on second down maybe on third down no I think everything is conditional you're right they do have to you always are going to place winning ahead of everything I will I will take that to my football grave you you will have to prioritize winning over developing. You've got 52 guys to worry about. But in the context of every game, there are opportunities to make players feel develop. good. That's part of player development. So, yeah, to feel good, to build their confidence. You're always trying to build their confidence. Hey, Mooney's frustrated. Let's give him a side screen and see what he can do with it on first down and see what he can get a seven. You know, that's the kind of thing that if you're in the red zone, absolutely you give Justin Fields the opportunity to, to roll out, bootleg, hit the tight end, and then celebrate a touchdown pass by spiking it or throwing it into the end zone Roquan Smith style. Yeah, you do have an obligation to. Uh, the following year, the Bears also tried a similar thing with Mitch Trubisky against the, uh, I guess, were they the football team or the Redskins at that time? I'm not really sure what I remember in 2019 what their name was, but they went into Monday night there and and Mitch threw three touchdown passes in the first half to Taylor Gabriel, and they were trying to get him a fourth and maybe a fifth in the second half. He ended up throwing an interception down near the goal line, and then he missed a wide-open Anthony Miller. He never saw him on a play that would get, would have given him another touchdown, and it was very frustrating for that previous coaching staff because they they, they knew they were 
were at a pivot point in a very important season in 2019 where they were trying to get something to get Mitch out of the mental funk that he had been in since the middle of training camp. And they tried and they tried and they tried and they failed. And the rest of the year went the way the rest of that year went. And so it can backfire on you too when you do those things. It's just going to be really interesting to see how they kind of handle this with Justin because I don't think that he or Chicago or the building can really take many more weeks where he gets up in that chair and doesn't look like he is feeling like he wants to be there. You can't get greedy. I mean, you have to be realistic. They got no greedy with Mitch. So I think <laughs> you want to be realistic. And, and what is realistic to expect on Sunday? Same type of game plan. Uh, I think you always consider risk reward, but you'd like to get him some easy early uh, completions to build some momentum, some confidence, and to uh, hope that he can just make the basic throws better than he did. So the last nugget in this QB1 conversation is that we've decided here at Take the North to develop a meter, right, to measure where we're at in our assessment of Justin Fields' development. This is going to be a meter that changes at times. And for those of us who are able to, uh, those of you who are able to see this in video form, you will see our meter. It has seven categories, David, and we're going to kind of adjust this as as is needed. From worst to best, it goes panicked, worried, concerned, fine, encouraged, excited, and euphoric. And the consensus here on the Take the North podcast is that right now, particularly coming out of that game last week, a win, but a not so good win against the Houston Texans is that we're concerned. Our concern is there and the needle may be starting to, 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 to vacillate a little bit more towards worried, but that's where we're at here in week four of 2022. I would say, yeah, we're concerned and right where it was in terms of the, the marker, the gauge, if you will, I think I'm probably a little bit closer to worried, staying patient, but worried because I, I'll maintain this. I said it on the last pod and I've said it on the air all week. What happened against uh, what happened at home and against the Texans was as alarming of a performance as I've seen from Justin Fields yet. And it's not something through, you know, 13 games that you want to see that headed in that direction. So I guess I will settle for concern, <laughs> with maybe leaning slightly toward worry to whatever direction that. Means. Yeah. Last yeah. Sunday's performance was one of those on the quarterback doomsday clock. You moved it up an hour, right? You said, Oh, exactly. <laughs> and so that's where we are on JST, Justin standard time. I think <laughs> that we can move it ahead a little bit. All right, let's go to, uh, finish up with our two minute drill. The two minute drill, the two minute drill. Dan Khalil Herbert's going to get the big uh, opportunity to put two strong games together back to back i really like the way he's running this is an opportunity for him running back with some good vision is able to take advantage of what the bears are establishing in front of him obviously we saw in the 52 yard run last week that he had a hole that in his own words you could have driven a bus through right and when you can get a couple moments like that within a game and and you know bolster your production that way it really makes other things go smoothly khalil has really taken advantage of his opportunities i i wouldn't be surprised if like last year he gets a you know two three four game run at this thing with, with Montgomery coming back. And there's absolutely zero reason to rush Montgomery back. If you're getting the production from Khalil Herbert, like you got last week against the Texans. And so that will be a factor as the bears make decisions offensively. Do you trust Tristan Ebner in situation spelling uh, Khalil Herbert? I do. I do. Uh, yeah. I, I think that Tristan Ebner is going to be a guy that they're going to have to lean on a little bit more. I think he's going to have to be, uh, reliable in pass protection at times. He's going to have to be reliable as a pass catcher because that's why they brought him here. And so he'll get uh, he'll get opportunities because they don't want this to be just a single back system. Speaking of pass protection, I think the Bears struggle protecting Justin Fields, but I think it looks like through three games, the Giants might struggle even more mightily protecting Daniel Jones. So I got some different answers on this around the building this week, which were interesting. I asked uh, Alan Williams for one, if, if you can kind of, take advantage of a, you know, a, a shaky offensive line and, and really go after him. And his, his, answer was was kind of what you'd expect from a coordinator saying listen they've got good coaches they got great coaches and good coaches solve problems and so uh, one week's problems might not be the same problems that you get when you show up in their building and they've corrected them and so they're not necessarily expecting to get home a lot took that same conversation to travis gibson who said look <laughs> i watched monday night football <laughs> I, I saw the opportunities that are there i'm i'm ready to go there and turn myself loose along with the other pass rushers on this team and so the pass rushers realize they've got an opportunity 
opportunity. And I think you do want to play a little bit of that psychological chess match with them and make them feel you early, right? And and be able to get home with four and put some pressure on Daniel Jones and make sure that his eyes are coming down. And and uh, let's see where it goes. Travis Smith, the defensive line coach, said, look, the, the Cowboys play a very different style of defense. They also have Micah Parsons. They can do some things that maybe don't suit us as well. But obviously you want to, to try to, to take advantage of your opportunities when they're there. You got to watch the draw play as well because Saquon Barkley, did Allen Williams call him a thickian? Can you be that fast and be a thickian? He did. He did. He, he complimented his uh, strong thighs and also said that he's good with his contact balance. So we've seen Saquon Barkley a lot. I think he's played against the Bears every single year that he's been in the league, had a you know bad knee injury, suffered against the Bears in the COVID year in 2020, is obviously looking more and more like his 100% healthy self, and the Bears are going to have to be all over him on Sunday to win this game. And then the last thing, Dan, was one of the more amusing moments at Hallis this week. Matt Eberflus describing the proper way to recover a fumble <laughs> And also being upset with one stat, three forced fumbles against the Texans, but zero fumble recoveries. You got a kick out of that. No, I loved it because I, I think that it, it that it's consistent with who Matt is as a coach, right? And, and you get your two takeaways. They're both on interceptions. But he gets back in the, the, the video room on Monday and he shows his guys, hey, guys, look, we, we forced three other fumbles. One of them, David, was forced by Cole Komet after Justin Fields' interception, right? And so you've got a chance if you're hustling and swarming to the ball like you've been taught from the spring on to, to get that possession right back without the Texans even running a play. And so they left three footballs on the ground the other day. Uh, the Texans were quicker to them. And I think Matt's point is, look, like every one of these balls that hits the ground, you have to have bodies all around there expecting them to, to be out. And then you recover it and you maybe swing a game in that regard. So I love the fact that he's holding them to the highest of high standards. Why was he so reluctant to describe the right <laughs> way to recover a fumble? There depending is some... on the style, depending on the pile, depending on a lot of things. Yeah, I wish we had that audio clip because he was said, is there a correct way to, to recover a fumble? He said, yes. Uh, well, what is it? I'm not going to share that I'm here. I'm telling you. It's, it, it's, it's a weird coaching thing that I'll never understand. The other one from this week that made me laugh was Matt came to his Monday uh, news conference and, and was very forward in saying, hey, we just had this terrific award ceremony with the team in the in the you know meeting room we gave out a bunch of awards it was really fun the guys really lit up it was energized by it and it was like well well who what were the awards and who were they won well we're not going to talk about the awards <laughs> and you're like well wait a second you just brought them up like what, what, why why aren't we going to talk about them you guys won a game and we're trying to highlight something why, why are we being so secretive with everything i don't know the secrecy it will will always numb my brain and and perplex me i don't have an answer for that but we'll see where it goes i'll, I'll just say this also david about the uh the fumble recoveries there's there's a uh, you know there's a meritocracy here that i really like in matt's program and it goes back to also tevin jenkins not starting last week and then the coaching staff saying basically he didn't practice well enough on wednesday to earn the start it goes back to Allen williams this week saying look when we get to our our third down pass rush team and we're in situations where we send guys out to rush you've got to earn a spot on that team right and there's a lot of guys that want to be able to rush the passer on third down and get those all uh, glowing uh, sack statistics well you got to earn that opportunity and so I like the fact that this coaching staff wants everything to be earned. And that's a, a really cool thing when you're setting the foundation for a program. Last detail, uh, Jalen Jones starting at corner, Lucas Patrick starting at right guard. I will go with Jalen Jones starting at corner. I think this might be Lucas Patrick's first start of the season at center. We're going to keep an eye on that, but I think this might be the week they turn him loose in there and, and, and move on in that direction going forward. So that'll be a fascinating thing to get an eye on on Sunday morning. Something to keep an eye on. Keep us right here at Take the North Pod. We will have our post-game reaction. You can download us and listen to what we had to say about the Bears and the Giants game Sunday in New Jersey. For Dan Weeder, anything else you want to add, Dan, before we take uh, say goodbye? No, this is the, the first of two trips to New York this year. The Bears also will play the Jets in November. Uh, people on the outside think it's really cool. Oh, you're going to New York City. I said, uh, it's not quite the lifestyle you think. I land in Newark at, at like 9 o'clock, and I'm standing at an airport hotel out by the Newark airport. So this isn't uh, a Saturday night in the Big Apple for uh, this host of the Take the North podcast. They'll have to wait for another time to go experience that life. Well, if the Bears can make it there, they can make it anywhere. At least that's what I hear. <laughs> I knew you were going to get there. I knew you were going to get there eventually. <laughs> for Dan Weeder, I am David Hoff and Adam Studzinski, our producer. Thanks for tuning in to the Take the North pod. You can get it on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. We will talk to you Sunday night after Bears-Giants out in New Jersey.